Hello, and you are very welcome to Dan and Dara Doability. This is episode 10. I'm Dara McNicholas. And I'm Dan Eric. And today we're joined by Saoirse Shad. Hello, everybody. Thank you guys for having me on your podcast. I'm a big fan, so I'm really excited to be here. Just a little bit about Saoirse. So we're, we're, we'll, we'll say what we know, and then you cool. can kind of fill in the gaps, you know, of the mystery bit. Sure. Uh, so you're, you're kind of in your 20s. We're not going <laughs> to be any more specific than I'm that. I'm 27, and I don't feel bad about it. I'm not going to apologize. 27's a great yeah. age. I agree. I'm, I'm really finding is. it okay. Yeah, there's something magic about 27. I got a motorbike when I was 27. Oh, nice. Oh, well, I'm still waiting for mine. Yeah, that was my midlife crisis. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. But I got over that very quickly. Uh, you're uh, late of this college yourself. You, you graduated yeah. last year. Yeah, I graduated on Halloween Day. A very spooky graduation. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, so I'm officially a graduate. You can now add BA to my name every time you write it down. Which is nice. It is nice, yeah. It feels really, really nice. I, uh, I feel very accomplished, especially because I don't know if you know this, but um, this is actually my the fourth course that I have done, my fourth college course. Oh. I've been around the academic okay. block a bit. And, uh, Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So this is the one that stuck, finally. I did. I went to, uh, to Maynooth twice, and that didn't last. And then I went to Inchicore, did a year, and then I finally got my degree here. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and in fairness, it is a pretty good college. You it know, is. It, it, it's yeah. not that bad. I think it's underrated. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it is. Um, so you're out writing now at the moment. Uh, it's part of your thing, scripts, and you're, you're in the middle of a book. I am, yeah. A, a book. A, a book, yes, I'm writing a book. Um, not so much with the scripts, but yeah, um, the book would definitely be my thing. I, <laughs> I wasn't actually prepared to talk about the book today. Well, we can talk about the later. But, we don't well, talk about it Well, it's relevant because... It's all relevant, really. Yes, well, it is. You're right. Uh, yeah, no, my book is about mental health. Um, it's about a character who suffers from poor mental health and he has depression and he basically decides I'm sick of being depressed and I think his little sister um, leaves a brochure on his pillow and it's basically something that she picked up at a doctor's office and it was like you know here's all the little things that you can do to cure depression and he's so infuriated by this brochure because to someone with depression it just seems absolutely impossible and it's just it's preposterous to say you know listen to cheery music and it'll make you feel better. So he decides that he's going to go on a road trip for a week and he's going to do all these things. And at the end of it, if he hasn't cured himself of depression, he's going to end his life. So he decides in a week, I'm going to be depression free one way or the other. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Where's it set? Uh, It's Dublin. I want to write what I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to go on a road trip in Ireland. Yeah. Mm. Well, so it starts off in Dublin, but yeah, it it goes around the, the country. A large part of it is set in Leash which is referred to as the dreaded place. In a well, yeah, I'm from Tipperary, so we know a lot about Leash. Yeah, it's nothing to do with Leash. It's, it's all backstory. It's all backstory. Yeah, no, there's like buffaloes down there and stuff roaming in, yeah. in, in the plains. Oh, of yeah. it's, a very, it's a very strange place, yeah. No, it always has been for years. Enough about you. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Dan, what are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be, it's funny you mentioned mental health earlier on, because that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, well, that's all I ever talk about, so. Um, yeah, so... I actually going back to your mm-hmm. book a little bit. I was wondering about the um, your motivation mm-hmm. behind writing it. I suppose to begin with. Wow, that's a very good question. I'm sorry I jumped the gun a little bit earlier on with talking about the book, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. Cool. <laughs> so I suppose my motivation. Well, it comes from personal experience. Um, more and more as I write it, it's, I feel a little guilty actually because it's kind of turning into a bit of a vanity project. At first I just had the idea and I wanted to run with it, but now it's kind of becoming, um, it's a very personal story now because the main character, a lot of his experiences, the more I write him, the more I'm 
finding that his experiences mirror a lot of my own. Okay. Um, so it's it's definitely a lot. I think, to be honest, when I was here, when I went to college here, I had an excellent counselor. Um, her name was Ashling, and she just worked wonders on me, and I'm so much better for having talked to her. But now I don't have her anymore. So I think that has sort of um, translated as me writing the book and kind of doing it like more and more I'm putting myself into it and that's kind of me working through some things that maybe I, I never actually got to to deal with with okay. her. It's kind of a it's a it's like a, it's a self therapy at the moment. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So mm-hmm. does that make it easier to write or does that make it more difficult? Or does it is it mix of both? Well, um, I to be honest, at the moment it's very, very difficult. Um, I wrote the fi- the first fifty thousand words I wrote in like thirty days. So I did that really, really quickly. It was wow. really, that's, yeah, that's fast. That's, and that's how much I, I was enjoying it. And it, I was really proud of that. And now um, I'm at a point where the story's getting quite real and things okay. are getting hard for the character. And it has taken, like, how long has it been? It's been like, it's been several months and I've probably only written another 10. 10,000 words. Okay. So at the moment, it is pretty hard. So I'm really glad, actually, to be on the podcast today talking about mental health because it's been so fluctuating. It's Sorry, I'm just thinking like 50,000 words yeah. in 30 days. And we're moaning yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're moaning about our essays. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's a, it's actually a um, it's a writing thing. I don't know if either of you have ever heard of NaNoWriMo. No, is she, no. she related to you? She is <laughs> not a person. Uh, NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month. Every year it takes place in November, so basically it's a bunch of writers all at the same time set out to write 50,000 words in a month. So basically you have to write 1,667 words every single day. I could never do it in November because I always had college. So I used to do Camp NaNoWriMo, which was in the summer. You can do it in April or July. I did it in July. And basically you set your own goals. I still, because I'm an overachiever, I set the 50,000. And I actually didn't, I think I got 46,000. I got the 50 in, you know, 33 days or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, that's how I did it. So it was kind of a, it's a community thing. It's really nice. There's a lot of uh, online forums and that kind of thing. And you get to join a camp uh, and you have, you know, camp mates and you all cheer each other on. It's lovely. <laughs> well, I know. I thought, that's uh, yeah, it's fine. I'm just, I'm just astonished. Like, it, yeah. you know, that's, that's <laughs> It's amazing what you can do with uh, support from uh, peers. Yeah, yeah it, it probably is. Yeah, I know we had a bit of script writing this morning and mm. I had what, three or four pages and no, I've even got less. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just, yeah, that, that, that's a huge amount of that's a huge amount of work. Yeah, yeah, but it's play too. It's fun. So, mental health in general. Yes. Now I know you do a lot of vlogging and a lot of blogging, mm-hmm. and and mental health's a big thing around yeah. it. And I've, I've watched quite a few. I'm actually kind of oh, watched all of them, but I have you. watched quite a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't get an awful lot of time. And I, yeah. Oh, that's fair I'm, enough. Don't worry. I'm a few podcasts behind as well. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not. It's not. That, yeah, but I suppose it, it's it, it's. It is important, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, yeah. the whole sort of mental health. And, and Self and Dan, we have, geez, we have a lot of conversations. Like, yeah. not necessarily mental health, but they generally seem to be... They're, they kind of be around, you know, just managing uh, the mind, really, I mm-hmm. suppose. I mean, I, I remember even we had a conversation earlier about it just because, I mean, at the minute, I think it's we have... Well, me personally, I have three assignments due mm-hmm. within a week, so it's yeah. kind of like, ah. yeah, um, and, and they're not easy. They're not, uh, and they're not things easy. you can just knock out. And I suppose, like, I, d- I don't want to make any excuses for myself, but I suppose it's just the situation I'm in that it takes me longer mm-hmm. 
to do the work. Yeah. Just because of my situation. So I think, and because I'm such a perfectionist and that kind of thing, it's kind of like, I want to do the work and I want, you know, as far as like extensions go or whatever, I'm, I absolutely despise them. I'm like, <laughs> that is like the last, yeah. 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 that's the last resort. So I think. Um, there, there is a thing called Parkinson's Law, uh-huh. <coughs> which that? says a job will take the amount of time that it's given. Absolutely, yeah. So if you have a week to do something, that's how long it's going to take. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have a different rule, which is if I give myself a certain amount of time, it's going to take double that. <laughs> ah, okay. Parkinson's time too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you said you, you, you did avail of counselling when you were here oh yes how difficult was that then without it I know you're you're finding writing is a bit of a therapy yeah it is a bit it's also it also hurts a little bit um in a way that counselling also did I suppose it is hard it's hard to not have it because um I've been in and out of counselling I think since I was about I was probably about um 14 or 15 I had a friend fall ill when I was around that age and it was sort of insisted upon that I that I go to counseling and you know rightfully so I needed it um and I've been kind of in and out ever since I didn't realize how much counseling did not work for me until I met my most recent counselor Ashling downstairs um I always thought my mother is a counselor she's a psychologist so I knew the importance of counseling so that was why I did it but I didn't realize how important it is to find the counselor who's right for you I refer to uh, Ashling, the uh, the Tala Campus TUD counselor. I refer to her as my counseling soulmate, because she just. I mean, when I walked out of a session with her, I felt emotionally beaten up. Like I would often be in bits. It would be like I had done a real workout for my mind. But I would also leave feeling like I had learned a little bit about myself and like I understood certain reactions and triggers that I didn't get before. So now it's a lot easier for me to kind of um, to kind of understand why I might feel unjustifiably upset about something that should be no big deal. I'm able to go, oh, well, that's like this thing that happened in my childhood that, you know, and it, and it's it, and it really helps. It kind of it's almost sort of um, a validation to kind of be able to go. I, I get this now. I understand why this is happening. There's a logic to it. And that is very soothing to me. That's very interesting. I mean, I, I'm just in terms of your relationship with counseling because mm-hmm. obviously you were saying it's it's been very positive for you and that's mm-hmm. that's great but i'm just interested in terms of the stigma that you you what you think of <laughs> the stigma around right kind of counseling because uh, at 15 or 16 I, I presume it's a lot it's a lot different to 20, yeah. 20, 25 yeah. 26 27 I'd say it is because yeah. I do think the conversation has moved on a little bit now so that sort of helps but you are right when I was in secondary school it was harder because you always had to you had to get a note from the I forgot who you get a note from I think you get a note from the counselor to say please excuse Saoirse for class she has to go to me so I'd have to go up at the start of class show the teacher my note and often they would ask a question out loud and I would always kind of be like, oh, I don't really want to say. And, you know, it, 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 so it was a little bit harder. I was never, um, I never had any, anybody actually say anything to me that um, might have made it feel, you know, feel a bit of that stigma. I've never actually had any, it was all really in my head, um, sort of feeling, you know, oh, I guess I'm broken or something like that rather than that there was something 
bad happening in my life that I needed to, to work through. Um, it, it's definitely easier now. Um, and I suppose also growing up with a parent who is a psychologist, it was probably a little bit more normalized for me. And even okay. now, I have a lot of friends who would avail of those services, but maybe not want to, to talk about it quite so much. In fact, once I had a friend, um, and he didn't even want to tell me that he was in counseling, even though I was the one who had recommended Ashling to him. Even with me, he felt like he didn't want to, to say that. So it, I think it was a little bit more um, normal for me. So I'm, I'm lucky in that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I don't really, I don't really know what can be done about that. I think people just, I, I think it would help if people were more open and honest about the fact that they do avail of those services. Um, I think it's, I think that's probably the only way that that it's gonna, that stigma might someday be removed. I yeah, I don't think it will. No, never. I, well, I don't think so. I've got, I mean, I, I look at younger people. Yeah. We'd say below, sort of, below eighteen, below fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know, their language isn't changing. Yeah. You know, I don't think it is. It might with some, but uh, we've been involved in sports and stuff like that and kids, mm-hmm. and like the language isn't 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 changing. The same words mm-hmm. are still being used. Yeah. I think it, it it might be another generation before we see if we see change. I think it could be, but I do I do think I think you've made a good point in that it is. I think with any change, it's all about getting them when they're young, normalizing something when they're mm-hmm. young. And I think for me, that's why it has been a little bit easier than for other people, because I was introduced to it at such a young age. I actually recently learned that I was in counseling at, I think, the age three, because my parents went through a divorce and my mom thought it would be wise to bring us to a counselor. Obviously, I didn't do much talking. We played and answered questions vaguely and that kind of thing, drew pictures. But, you know, it was it was very normal for me. So I think the more parents educate their kids, I think the better. And I think if a parent is going to counseling, I think that would be something that they should let their kids know. I recently found out that my mother had to go to counseling as part of her degree, and I never knew that. In order to be a counselor, you have to go to a certain amount of counseling, okay. and I did not know this. Wow. Um, it was okay. actually the counselor, Ashling, who told me that. And I was like, that's, that's interesting. And then when I asked her about it, she said, yeah, no, of course I've, I've done it. And it was just kind of a shrug of the shoulders type thing, but I didn't know. So I think if I ever have kids, I'm going to tell them all about my various counselling experiences. Judgment then of, mm-hmm. of of others is it is it a big thing? You know, I know you you're quite you're like anyone goes on the internet and mm-hmm. you know they put in Saoirse Shad and it's going to your, yeah. you know your blog is going to come up and stuff like that. So yeah. that scares me to be honest. Being out there, it does a your bit. choice. You, you know what? I think honestly, I am much more comfortable with the idea of strangers seeing me and knowing my story than people who are actually in my life. Of course, it starts with people in your life because when you're sharing things and you don't have an audience, it is friends and family yeah. who are who are seeing all these things that you're putting out there. But you're right; it does it does scare me. Um, and it, in terms of judgment from others, I have to say, I don't really. One of the points that I wanted to make today is that. I talk about anxiety and depression because those are the only things that I really have any personal experience with. Those are the only things I've ever suffered from. And we do think, you know, as a society, we do think that we're getting better about mental health, and we are. But really, those are kind of the only two areas of mental health which are really thoroughly talked about. they're kind of what my partner refers to as entry-level mental health. Um, and <laughs> entry-level, 101. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They're very, um, people know of these things now, which is great. But there's a lot of other mental health conditions which are not talked about or maybe even still villainized. 
um, such as there's bipolar disorder, there's borderline personality disorder, mm -hmm. um, there's obsessive compulsive disorder, which people frequently would trivialize and misuse. Well, I'm talking you're more likely to see that in a movie. Yes, like glass and or yeah. you know any of those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. You, you, that's where we're going. Oh, and it's hilarious. Look, he's yeah, he's an axe murderer and he's a nice person and he's this and he's that. Yeah, I suppose it is kind of yeah. You wouldn't necessarily see them done well. I think the only way to actually understand these things is to to talk to somebody who has these conditions, who is living with these conditions, and it's not always possible to do that. But what I would recommend, if anyone is interested, and I hope that you all are is to maybe go on YouTube and look up some vloggers who talk about their experiences. Because actually for the book, I'm researching borderline personality disorder at the moment, which is a very, um, I don't know, do you guys know about borderline personality disorder at all? Is that similar to dissociative identity or is that? It is not, but I like your use of that uh, of those words because people frequently say multi multiple personality disorder instead of dissociative identity disorder. So very well done, Dan. Good job. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually, I'm actually um, working on that as part of my my uh, thesis this oh, year. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, so. then maybe, maybe there maybe there are some, maybe you'd know a little bit more than I do. Um, it's. So I suppose there's the similarity in that a person can be kind of overtaken by, it's not exactly another personality, but it's sort of a, an impulse to, to behave in a way that they don't like that they're, they don't like that they're behaving this way, but they just, it's what they feel compelled to do. And they've said it's like another person takes over their body and they're just witnessing, you know, themselves do these terrible things and saying these horrible things to the people that they love. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't know, enough about mm. it to, yeah. to, to speak comprehensively about it but I'm actually you know looking up I think her name is recovery mum there's a vlogger that I'm watching and she speaks so honestly about her living with this condition and it sounds it's really really heartbreaking and it's the kind of thing that if you knew someone who was living with this condition you might not like them because they could be absolutely terrible to you they could really they could do horrible <laughs> terrible things and you might think they're an evil person for, for this. Um, and it's just something that, you know, they're kind of powerless to, to, to handle sometimes. Um, and so this is one of the things that I would like people to know a little bit more about because it's, it's important to understand that these mental health conditions can make people do terrible things, but it doesn't mean they're a terrible person because it's not them all the time. It's something they're living with. They're a victim of it. So that's... Um, that's just an example of one of the <laughs> yeah. the other conditions that I think people should should sort of try yeah. to pay attention to because I do think that depression and anxiety get a lot of airtime and these other conditions don't. Eating disorders, they're also mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more education to be had on the subject. Yeah, it's funny with you. It seems we've gone off the boil. They're not yeah. they're not they're not trendy anymore. Yes, yeah. It is, it is trendy to talk about anxiety. And, exactly. And I, I hate to say that, but you're absolutely right. It is a trendy topic to talk about depression and anxiety. It's very trendy. Um, and on the subject of anxiety, you know, I mentioned earlier the uh, OCD and it being sort of trivialized. Same thing with panic attacks. You know, people frequently, and I'm even perhaps guilty of this too, um, people frequently say, oh, I had a panic attack. And it wouldn't necessarily be what is actually medically a panic attack. It would be a dreadful misuse of, of the term. Mm. Um, and it trivializes it because yeah, some it's, people... It's an out maybe for an excuse or a reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
getting their eater, but yeah. And I do get it because <clears throat> I, I think um, sort of in the medical sense of the term, I've had probably two panic attacks, like two times where I thought I was going to die. Like it was, it was horrible. Um, I couldn't wow. breathe. Yeah, no, it was really, really absolutely terrible. And at least one of those times I probably should have gone to a doctor. But, um, but then there would have been other times where I would have mentioned, or sorry, I would have, um, I would have felt like just panic, <laughs> literally panic attacking. I feel like an onset of it. And that to me, it makes sense to say that I had a panic attack because it just comes out of nowhere, but it's not as serious as an actual panic attack. And by saying that it's a panic attack, it, um, it sort of diminishes how what, what an actual panic attack is mm. and that's just something that i think a lot of people are guilty of unfortunately and i don't know whether you agree with this you can correct me if mm-hmm. if i'm wrong but i think as well the people just saying you know that they have a panic attack or whatever it may be i think it it diminishes it for the people that are actually a full Blown, let's just use the example of the panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, see, like, is around somebody who thinks they're having a panic attack mm-hmm. and they're not, they might end up being like, okay, I don't need to talk about this because yeah. it's not half as bad kind of thing. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. I don't know whether you yeah, agree with that. Or? I do. I, I completely agree with you. I think, um, I think people mislabeling their feelings of panic, which are, are of course valid. It's very valid to say I'm feeling panicked or I'm feeling anxious right now. But I think to, to sort of upgrade it to I'm having a panic attack, maybe to maybe people do it to sort of almost kind of, um, almost like a, God, what even is the word here? To, to, to sort of um, put a term on it to make themselves feel better about what it is. Like, give, it a, give it a label. Yeah, exactly. We love our labels, don't oh, yeah. we? We yeah. humans, we love our labels. Yeah. Um, so putting a label mm. on it, it might make you go, okay, rather than just I'm upset and I'm feeling anxious, this is actually a thing that's happening to me and I have no control over it. I think um, yeah. that could be a reason. Goes, you had a panic attack, did you? Oh, that's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know how you feel. I've had a panic attack too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we clearly haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know for me personally kind of around around the anxiety kind of thing there I mean I'm gradually getting better with it and I suppose with people that I know very well I can talk openly about 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 this but I think at times it's kind of I would kind of feel slightly reluctant because I don't know whether it's I feel like I'm giving other people my problems and there's kind of a, a thing of I don't want to be a burden I suppose to other people by you know they've got enough to deal with kind of thing right you know a, so problem, yeah, a problem shared is a problem halved or yeah. a problem yeah. shared with two people up <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no yeah. it's true I know I understand what you're saying you're, you're yeah. Yeah. yeah here's no. my problem and you can have you can have some of it for yeah. me <laughs> hold on to that please be grand yeah I get what you're saying but um, just uh, on a on a personal level here you know as your friend I and as you know I, this is true of any of my friends I would much rather that one of my friends come to me with something that is bothering them than to hold on to it themselves and then you know maybe suffer further down the line I would much rather my friends come to me with 
with anything that they want to talk about, including yourself, uh, anytime. I would love to, to hear from you if you ever want to talk about anything. Um, I, but I do, I also totally understand it's a bit of a double standard. I know you'd feel the same way. I bet you would say to me, come to me anytime. Yeah. But then you wouldn't want to come to me with one of your problems. And, I, and it works both ways. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. I, I'm working on that as well. I'm, that's, I suppose, yeah. another reason why I was very lucky to have the counselor. It, it kind of lessened the need yeah. to go to other people. But I do feel like we should, we're, we're a social species, man. We, yes. should, we need to come to each other with these things as much as we can, I, I feel. Yeah, I mean, and I 100% appreciate that. Thank you very, very You're much. You're welcome. Um, and I, as you said, I, I do think I'm, um, I'm getting better at that. And I think, but I think as well, I mean, I'm um, coming up this weekend. Actually, I'm working with the National Youth Council of Ireland cool. on a men's health project. Wow, um, that's exciting! Good for you. Here goes Dan's <laughs> media again. <laughs> You're so busy, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But I think as well there is a, st- um, a level of stigma around men's mm-hmm. health, particularly that. Do you know? men are kind of tough and yeah. oh tough out then tough out generals oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I totally Generals, agree exactly yeah and um, that is exactly why I chose to write from the male point of view in my book because I did oh, want to ask that earlier yeah. actually when you were talking about the book kind of, mm, you know why you speak about men mm. yeah yeah well because um, they there's a higher suicide rate among men than there is with women but you would never ever know that I don't feel I think you'd have to look into it to find that I mm. think um it's often, I think you're right, I think it's often seen as a woman's problem, a, a, a problem that is more common <laughs> among and, the female demographic. And by all means, that's not diminishing Oh, I know, anything, yeah. But I, that's something that I have noticed, you know, and I just think, like you said earlier on, about the problem shared, the problem halved, mm-hmm. between anybody, yeah. you know, whether it's male, female, you know, any gender, any... Yeah. You know, anybody that you feel that you've had, like, good conversations with, even if you haven't had a deep conversation with someone ever, yeah. if you've had a good conversation with someone and they've made you smile, yeah. that's somebody that I think that you can go to and be like, hey, listen, I'm having an issue here. You know, yeah. can you help me out a little? Yeah. Yeah, I... Um, I- and I, th- I think that is, like, it's the most difficult thing in a lot of ways is the first kind of, you know, what will they think? And that's something that I've dealt with a lot. You know, I haven't, and I think, <laughs> I bring it back to first dates, actually, because that was a big thing, because it forced me outside of my comfort zone because I was going in and out of, do I do this, do I not? You know, what will people think about it? That kind of thing. And then it happens. I had an incredible time. And then you watch the episode back and it's just, I mean, the reaction's been immense. So I think I can't think of exactly what the phrase is, but it's like something along the lines of the other side of fear 
is complete and utter joy or or, or something along those yeah. lines. And I think it's to a point where we need to help people get over the fear of it. Yeah. And the fear of because it's scary as hell. Um, because it is it is very very difficult to. I mean, I've had conversations over the last few months with um, friends and I've come home and I've just literally broken down. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, but like, it's been a really good conversation and it's helped, but I suppose, you know, it's like, it's so emotionally draining, but on the other side of that, there's like, you're like, I've gotten that out, that's good. Yeah. You know, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, and I that's think. exactly what it was like with counselling. It was, it, was, it was a really hard conversation to have. She would often make me do role plays, going back to terrible things that I had experienced. So she would be really putting me through it. But by the end of it, like you said, you come out feeling better. It's work. It's, you know, overcoming these things and dealing with these things. It is work. Um, and I commend you for having those conversations because, as you said, it's not an easy thing to do. It's a, it's a very vulnerable position to put yourself in. You have to really trust the people that you that you do that with, that you have these conversations with. And, uh, yeah. And that's not to say I don't trust the people that I don't yes. have the conversation <laughs> with, just to put that out there. Of course. Um, so so long-term. You know, I know it's not like, oh, you've got a broken leg there. Let's stick it in the splint. Yeah. Put you back together again. Here's a couple of tablets. You know, take the swelling down. The inflammation is gone. Yeah. What is the long term sort of, is there a recovery process here? Or is this, is this, is this it? Well, unfortunately, the, uh, the inconvenient truth is that everybody is different. And it's different for everybody. I am very fortunate in that I've had sort of two very bad uh, spells of depression, like really, really horrible. And one of them was when I was, I think, 16, and the other was when I was 19. Both lasted approximately a year. Um, I have no evidence to say that they're not going to come back. I, I, it could hit me any day. Other people um, have it for their entire lives, and they have to just manage it. Unfortunately, there isn't really a, you know, a one one-size-fits-all mm. solution. For me personally, I, I can't recommend counseling enough, but I do think you have to put work into finding the correct counselor for you. Um, and I think if you if you try counseling and it's not maybe a good fit, you not that you're doing more harm than good, but you might not be doing any good, and then that might make you think, well, I'm never gonna get any better. So I think putting work into finding into finding the solution for you, maybe not just the counselor, but whatever the solution is. Often people need medication. Um, there's there's all kinds of things for all kinds of conditions. One thing that I did that I'm actually very very proud of. Um, I mentioned earlier the panic attacks. I had that second panic attack. Um, that was when I was in Inchcore. It was a very very public panic attack. It was in the middle of the canteen. The canteen had to be cleared. A nurse had to be called. I fell. I had to be caught by somebody. Um, I was up there. I just picture him. I had somebody running around with a big net. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was very, very dramatic. Um, I did that thing they do in the movies where, you, you know, um, hand to the forehead and you swoon and you fall back. Um, so that, <laughs> after that. Oh, Miss Penelope. Yeah. <laughs> so that was an actual proper panic attack. And oh my goodness, I felt like death for days afterwards. But after that, I kind of decided 
I needed to do something to, to manage it myself. So this was me coming up with my own personal solution. What I did was I had this little tiny notebook. It was thick, but it was small enough that it could fit in like a pocket. Um, and I used to, I decided that I would catalog every moment where I felt anything positive. So I carried the book with me absolutely everywhere. And if I had a, you know, a good lunch with my friends, I had them write little notes to me. They would write jokes. We would do doodles. If we were just feeling happy, we'd play X's and O's or whatever. We'd play hangman, we'd play whatever. Um, there was one time I went to a bar and there, we were just having a good time, but we didn't know what to put in it. So we took a candle that was on the table and we just spilled the wax all over the page. Then we did it like an ink blot test. Just any moment of fun that I, that I felt or experienced, I put it in the book or I had my friends put it in the book. And then I didn't look at this book until I felt moments of panic creeping in. And then that sort of, um, it sort of quelled it a little bit for me. Um, I would, you know, if I, if I felt anxious about, I know that during that year I had made a lot of really good friends and I was really anxious about when the, the year would end that I would lose those people. Okay. So it really helped when I was feeling like, oh God, it's all, it's all coming to an end. It would really help to look back and go, ah, oh, but look at all that we did together. You know, I put in tickets from things that we had gone to see. I put in photographs, anything. And it was so small that it was so easy to, to carry with me so that at any moment I could catalog a happy memory or I could use it to keep anxiety at bay. So that was just a little personal thing that I did. And I feel I have that book. I wish I'd brought it to show you actually. Um, it's just a, it's a colorful mess of an amazing year. And it's one of, one of my <laughs> most prized possessions actually. I, uh, I would recommend people find whatever it is for them that can. So th that's something that, that works for you. Is mm -hmm. there, we, 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 I know we touched mildly on medication and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Are, are there roots, that, you know, I mean, no, not, not roots. Okay, you've got your doctor. Yeah. You know, can you get lucky with your doctor? Somebody who understands or, you know, are we kind mm -hmm. of, you know, sending you, pointing you in the right direction or are you, you going to do that with somebody goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, here you go, yeah, <laughs> just take two pink ones and a blue one and then come yeah. back to me next month. Well, I'd certainly like to think that your doctor mm -hmm. will um, will care enough about you to put point you in the right direction. There are, unfortunately, and it's also a generational thing, so there are, p perhaps if you have an older doctor, you there might you run the risk yeah. of, well, you might possibly run the risk of somebody who doesn't kind of believe in mental health difficulties. Um, so I, if, if you have trouble with your doctor, go to a different doctor because that is the first point of contact. That's the first thing you do. Yeah, it stem, stems from there. Yeah, you have to go to a doctor because they will be able to tell you if you need to go, you know, if you need to go to a psychiatrist to get medication, if you should go to counseling, if you um, have some other condition which might be, you know, making you suffer from certain symptoms. It is, you really need to go to a professional. I would love to be able to tell you, here are the three steps that you take and then you'll be better. But I'm not a doctor and I don't know everybody's stories or conditions. You, you have to go to a doctor, you have to go to a professional. They might send you to a different professional. They might send you to a psychiatrist or a counselor. So I, I have heard you mention a mental health day. Yes. Basically, I think it's important that if your brain needs a break, you give it a break. If you have responsibilities, I think it's obviously it's important that you look after what you have to do. But I think your first responsibility is to look after your own brain and to make sure that you get the break that you need. So I am personally of the opinion that even if I have, you know, an assignment due the next day at 9 a.m., if it means that I have to stay up all night and panic, I would rather just go to bed, 
get a good night's rest, take care of myself, and hand it in a day late. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, still going to get done. Yeah, you have to prioritize. I mean, really look at the big picture. What is the worst thing that's going to happen? It's some really good advice that I heard is if it doesn't, if it isn't going to matter in five years, then it doesn't matter now. Ooh, uh, and uh, I, I like that. Yeah, I think it's important because you know, even now, I've graduated. What you know, a few weeks, months. I don't care about the five percent hit I took on those assignments that I didn't it do. It really makes no difference. You have it, an honors degree. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're going, you're going to get through it. Basically, yeah. um, look after yourself is what I think should be first priority. So I think that's a good place where we can wrap it up. Uh, Great, Sarah, it, it's been absolutely fantastic having you. Oh, in. Thank um, you. So where can we find you on the internet? Oh gosh, um, I, Facebook forward slash Saoirse Shad, I imagine. Oh, this is terrible, I don't actually know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you some information that you can stick in a bio. How about that? Lovely, yeah, exactly. Cool. When we're going the podcast, we can, we can pull it up there. Great, excellent. Thank you guys for having me. I had a lot of fun and I'm really glad I got to talk about this with you. Thank you very much. I've been Darren McNicholas. And I've been Dan Airy. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>